progressive, respectful, mentoring, compassionate. These are the values of Palmdale Regional Medical Center. And now we proudly present Palmdale Regional Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome to Palmdale Regional Radio. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're discussing returning athletes to sports following non-contact injury. Joining me is Kenny Gardner. He's a physical therapist at Palmdale Regional Medical Center. Kenny, it's a pleasure to have you join us today, and I want to make clear to the listeners that we are talking about non-contact injuries. So if they're thinking football or you know, collision sports in baseball or a soccer or hockey or any of those, that's not what we're discussing here today. So tell us about some of the most common no-contact sports injuries that you see every day. Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me, Molly. Um, yeah, you know, being in physical therapy and having played sports myself, you, you see injuries left and right just because that's what sports come with. Um, first off, most common things you're going to see are typically Ankle sprains, muscle strains, those are your more common ones. Um, joint, You can have joint sprain kind of things too. It, those are your more common ones. Um, on top of that, the ones that are typically more, that require more rehabilitation or more intense, would you'll see ACL tears. A lot of people have heard of those. The MCL, which is another uh, ligament in your knee, is very common. Achilles tears, um, knee dislocations, meniscus tears, and labral tears, those are probably the biggest and most common that you'll see is a, or is that list. Um, but the most common of all of them is an ankle sprain, actually. How interesting. I, I wouldn't have yeah. thought that an ankle sprain, but it does make a lot of sense. And there's a lot of conditions and factors, Kenny, that go mm-hmm. into injury and chronic injury and what we're talking about, non-contact injury. And you mentioned yeah. girls' soccer players and overuse injuries. Tell us some of the most common reasons, whether it's a baseball player and throwing or why soccer girls are so at risk for ACL. Speak about that a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, obviously you can't avoid stepping in a pothole, um, but when it comes to injuries that are a little less, you know, there's, there's nothing that really caused it in a sense. Um, you're most commonly going to find um, muscle strength issues. So a lot of times we can get really strong, but we have to know how to use our muscles and then we have to have the right muscles that are strong. And on top of that, we have to have the right amount of mobility. So it's almost like if you're very stiff and you try to move, you're almost fighting your own body. But if you don't also have the strength to match that, you're also going to run into a lot more issue. So the good example, right? I I think we see a lot of times in, in women's sports and, you know, you look at like women's soccer, right? A lot of ACL tears and part of it is, is genetic. Um, women's hips typically sit a little wider, which does change the angle on the knee a little, um, which means they are actually have to be stronger. <laughs> so they're uh, kind of put in a, a tough situation where they're a lot of times it comes from hip strength. Um, so they have to spend a lot more time making sure they stay strong just due to, you know, the genetic makeup of how their body's built. That's so interesting. And, you know, we really want our kids and our youth athletes to be involved in sports. It's so important. Give us some of your best advice, because if they get taken out, and we all know athletes really are into it, and they don't want to be taken out, sometimes even because yeah. of concussion, what do you want them to know about prevention? Before we get into a little treatment for those, let's speak mm-hmm. about prevention. What can they do to prevent some of these injuries from happening? Yeah, there's a few things. I mean, honestly, one of the biggest things is warm up properly. 
it's really common because um, it challenges is when youth sports and even as you start to get past youth sports into more higher level, um, one of the things you encounter is a lack of proper like um, preparation. And so you run into the issue of you're not even prepared to do something and then you're trying to perform at a peak level. So without warming up, you actually are setting yourself up to really fail. It doesn't mean you will, but you're increasing your risk. Um, on top of that, I, I kind of I kind of call it a, a don't get your um, sport tunnel vision. Um, I was a soccer player. I loved playing soccer. I, I was blessed that I got to play other sports, which helped. Um, but a lot of times people focus on a single sport. So you have your baseball player who just plays baseball. Not inherently wrong, but what starts to happen is, is your body will develop imbalances. So by cross-training, weight training, making sure you're keeping your body balanced, you'll decrease your risk of, of overuse or overusing one part of your body that can increase injury. Um, and one of my – another piece, sorry, I was going for three points here. The other one is, is I like to address um, kind of not just the younger athlete but also the older athlete of – you know, we, we typically call them the weekend warrior. Um, this is huge. I see so many injuries. You know, you think about the 35 year old who tears his Achilles tendon, um, who is a basketball player. And, and I always try to say, you, you can't do intense exercise one time a week and expect that you can maintain that. If you're, if you're a desk job, for example, the best way to prevent is you have to stay active and you have to stay mobile. That way, when you go play your, your Saturday basketball league or your Sunday soccer league, you're not increasing your chance of injury because you're actually staying in shape and not trying to go 100% when you do that once a week and your body's just doing nothing the rest of the week. That's really great advice as far as cross-training and sports-specific training because we know that you know athletes, and even you mentioned soccer, like to really focus hard on the sport that they're good at. That's common in yep. tennis and really football, all of them. So sports-specific, mm-hmm. chronic overuse injuries are so common when these injuries do happen. And you've given us great advice about cross-training and getting involved in other things and stretching, certainly. When these injuries do happen, what's the first line of defense? As you start to notice someone's getting a little knee pain if they're a runner or they're starting to get a little bit of pain in their arm if they play baseball or gymnastics, what do you recommend they do first? Yeah, you know, typically if it's something really minor, you're just kind of thinking, oh, my knee's a little sore. Um, I, I usually, um, I, and, and I worked with a lot of these myself with athletic trainers, a lot of times we have an athletic trainer available, and they are also equipped in many, many ways. Um, and so they can sometimes provide guidance with those things. Um, when things start to progress or they don't go away or they're getting worse or there seems to be no resolution, um, and, and, or if you really want to make sure that you're not causing any issues, that's when I typically recommend um, you start to go toward uh, – so typically things will start with your medical doctor saying, hey, am I getting this knee pain? They'll usually say, okay, I'll refer you to a physical therapist, and that's where we come into the mix is one of the things we're trained in that a lot of people don't know is we are trained in movement. I mean that's one of our primary things, and a lot of times when you come into our clinic, what we can do is help to identify the, the limitations or the strength imbalances or sometimes it really is just overuse, and, and sometimes it's just basic education. It can be literally an hour visit with a physical therapist to just – talk about education it's an education moment to say hey you know you really got to calm down with how much you're doing which athletic trainers also can do is 
to, to balance that out is to say, look, you're overdoing things. But then if it's more than that, that that's where we have great you know, a- availability of physical therapists and, and these trained professionals who are li- – I literally went to school to identify those limitations in the body and to find the weaknesses and to find the stiff areas and, and to work on form and how you move. So, yeah, that's that's usually the best starting point in sort of the order. Um, really, if it comes to like really big concern, I usually recommend going to a trained professional because it's easy to try to want to look at a YouTube video, right, and, and want to, to utilize a video that's available for you. And those don't always address the issue because that might not be your problem. Absolutely great point. That's true. And a lot of people nowadays try and diagnose their own issues. If mm-hmm. somebody knows what it is, what do you recommend as far as ice, heat, hmm. bracing, wrapping, and I know they can speak to their athletic trainer about some of these as well, but what do you recommend if somebody does have some of these, they want to wrap their shoulder or their wrist or whatever, what do you recommend as far as ice and heat, bracing, wrapping, all those? Yeah, so this is where you'll start to get some different opinions and some different things. I mean, really, when you look at the research, ultimately, the goal of when you use ice is to typically decrease inflammation and to decrease pain. Um, with heat, you're typically looking to increase um, circulation into the area, and, and it helps to, to prepare. So typically more you'll want to heat before activity, ice after. Um, that being said, that the, the true benefit of heat and ice is not dramatic, um, so it is not a solution. So I always try to educate well to say I, there is a definite place for it, and it should be used in certain ways. But to be careful sometimes, and this goes with braces as well, a brace is, is what it's doing is it's replicating stability, right? It's, it's replicating what you should have because you don't have it. But the longer that you have a brace, the more you become reliant on it and you'll actually get weaker. Your joints can actually get more uh, – have, have other issues because you're not using your own body. So there's the whole rice discussion. So this is to kind of put them together. There's the rice discussion, which is rest, ice, compression, and elevation. There's a newer acronym um, that I saw. It, the acronym is M-E-A-T, MEAT. To put it into a simple term is it's more dealing with that our, our bodies naturally have inflammation, and it's dealing more with movement and to exercise and to stay active. And then, you know, with those things, we can I, – I would like to combine them. Um, if somebody has a bunch of inflammation in a joint, I try to say, hey, let, let's, let's put some ice on there to address that because it's going to be limiting us from progression. If I throw heat on there, well, it's going to increase circulation. So that, that's another area that typically with just soreness after a game or something, yeah, you throw an ice pack on there, it's totally fine. Um, but when it comes to bigger issues and bigger injuries, I typically recommend, though it seems basic, you could be limiting yourself in how fast you recover by using the wrong one at the wrong time. Wow, that's really, really important information. So does weight training, and we've mentioned sports-specific and cross-training, is weight mm-hmm. training a plus or a minus when you have joint pain or injuries from chronic overuse? Do you want people to steer clear of the weights? And I know you want them to see a professional because that's really the only way they're going to get truly better. But they're always yeah. looking for other things that they can do, whether it's dry needling or physical therapy. <laughs> but they also want to know if they can lift weights. Yeah, well, I'll tell you something. I lift weights, so hopefully it's good, right? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, there's definitely... Um, you'll encounter some challenge with that. And I know there's different viewpoints on those things. Um, it's a, honestly what it comes down to is it's a very variable answer. 
for my athletes that I work with, I do recommend that they maintain a level of strength. Your muscles help to support your joint. Now, how you achieve that, there's a lot of different ways. And so I try not to get too specific. Um, it does get pretty per person with some of these things because as your weight increases with lifting, any small flaw in your form becomes more exacerbated and increases your risk of injury more dramatically. So the, a, a good common exercise we see is called a deadlift. Um, for those who don't know what it is, you can obviously go look online. You'll see a lot of different ways it can be done. That move done improperly is extremely, extremely challenging on the back and could put a lot of stress there. So if I have someone who has poor form with a deadlift, I would say do not lift weights doing a deadlift. Um, so you have to be careful with just saying, hey, yeah, go weightlift to help, but our muscles are what support our body and provide strength when we move. It's what gives us explosiveness. It's what gives us stability. So I, I do actually support the use of, of lifting and, and using, but within a range. I mean, if you're a soccer player and you weigh 260 pounds and you're 4% body fat, so you're just pure muscle, you actually can run the issue of having that much pounding of weight on your body won't be good. But then you put that guy in on a, as a tight end on a football team, he's exactly what he should look like, right? So yeah. there really is a balance per sport. Well, there certainly is. So wrap it up for us. Give us your best advice for returning athletes to sport following non-contact injury. And really, how is return to play after an injury determined? What, what do you want to tell these youth athletes and their parents about returning to play and when they need to see a professional? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in all actuality, it's if there's ever concern, there's people available. And so if there's ever even a, a doubt, I typically recommend it can very simply be one visit to your physical therapist. It could be an hour session just to real quickly and, and just to get an assessment on something to say, hey, like this is something that because part of what we do is we provide an assessment to say, do you even need physical therapy? Um, but yeah, so it depends on the severity of an injury. Um, but really, there's a lot of different avenues from athletic trainers to PTs and surgeons. Um, when it comes to more intense injuries, you typically go through your medical doctor, um, who we are connected with as well as physical therapists. We are the ones who typically provide the assessment for the medical doctor, so we work as a team. Um, but really, when it comes to returning to sport, it depends on what you're trying to do, but I typically advocate for patients. People really, really – I mean, if I have a 13-year-old who's dying to get back to their sport. I honestly make sure to educate on patients every single visit. I was an athlete. I ignored some of the stuff I was told sometimes, and I, I, I mean, really, it, it slowed my ability to get back to my sport quickly. And so we, we need to build ourselves on patience to make sure that we are fully prepared to return to what we were doing. Because with a non-contact injury, if you got hurt previously, that means you weren't in a proper place previous. So if you recover back to where you were, you're still in a place where you're, you have too many deficits. And you need to actually regain and improve beyond where you were. So really, it's patience and making sure you're to totally prepared, which sometimes requires medical advice. And sometimes it does require just listening to your body. Well, it certainly does. And what great advice we got here today. Kenny, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your incredible expertise. And that concludes another episode of Palmdale Regional Radio with Palmdale Regional Medical Center. Please visit our website at palmdaleregional.com for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. 
Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Palmdale Regional Medical Center podcasts. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Palmdale Regional Medical Center. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatment provided by physicians. I'm Melanie Cole.